Ladies and gentlemen, goobers and ghouls, dear listeners, welcome back to Fear Boners. To Fear Boners, presented by the Down in Front Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, and with me this evening, again, some witches straight from Salem. <laughs> Back by high demand, we have Chrissy and Maddox, our two top-notch researchers who dig into the guts of these movies that we watch. Why we watch them, we don't know, but we watch them for you guys, and we have another, we have another fun dusty, dry documentary that we're going to discuss this evening. Chrissy and Maddox, how are you guys doing this evening? Great. Great. Yeah. How oh, are you? Everybody's super excited. Yeah, it's super, super hot. <laughs> it's very hot it's, in it's, here. It's very hot. It's very hot. We shut off the air conditioning so we could record with no noise pollution, but I feel like we're going to have very high heat pollution in, in a little bit. It's going to um, get really swampy in here. Uh-huh. Really swampy. The docu- oh, whoa. <laughs> there Look are a that. couple swamps in this documentary. <laughs> Good call. So yes, bear with us, folks. We will be talking about the very apt Bridgewater Triangle documentary filmed and created and released back in 2013. So this might be one of the oldest movies we've talked about actively here on Fear Boners. But we figured, because it carries a lot of supernatural weight, and it is a New England original, being up here just outside of Boston where we're recording and where we're based out of, we thought it'd be a good idea to check it out and talk about it, and maybe talk a little bit about our own supernatural experiences. But, before we get into that, uh, we're going to have our regular introduction of what we're drinking and what we're recently watching, so who would like to start? You guys want to fight? I, <laughs> Maddox pointed at me, so I guess she wins. Um, <laughs> fight. Um, what was the question? <laughs> what are you drinking right now, and what are you watching? Um, so I'm currently drinking Del Mege Vita Mezcal with a side of water because it's hot as hell. <laughs> And I've been watching, I'm no longer currently watching because I just finished it, but I feel like it's worth mentioning, The Sharp Objects, which is oh, a yeah. HBO limited series. I heard that was really good. It's awesome. And it's just, it's really tense and spooky. The last episode just aired this week, and I watched it the old-fashioned way, like, as the episodes came out all summer. So, yeah, basically the premise is that this journalist from St. Louis, her name is Camille in, in the show. Her editor makes her go back to her hometown, which is this, like, you know one traffic light town in southern Missouri to investigate and write about these two little girls got murdered like a year apart from each other and obviously there's suspicion that they're linked and all this stuff and she gets stuck staying with her crazy family and her mom is just this like really weird 
Southern Belle lady who has a lot of strange idiosyncrasies where she's like <laughs> pulling her eyelashes out when she gets nervous and you're oh. like, something's up with her. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's hard to talk about without giving too much away, but it's very spooky. You're not sure if it's a ghost story or if it's a murder or, or if it's both. And I'm still not even sure having <laughs> finished it. Yeah. Um, but it's very tense. Don't watch it before you go to bed because you're going <laughs> to need to watch cartoons like to cleanse your palate afterwards. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's awesome. It's beautifully shot. Great music. Nice. Highly recommend. Yeah, I heard a lot of people in my office talking about it today because it just finished up yesterday or over the weekend. Yeah, I think the last episode came out on Sunday. Okay. Yeah, yeah. a lot of a lot of the girls in my office were like losing their mind and like yeah. one of the girls was like don't spoil it and like a lot of HBO stuff is like that. So, now I think maybe that's what I'll do this long Labor Day weekend is sit down and watch that. Yeah, it's great. It's only I think it's only like 8 episodes or something like that, so it's not like nice. a crazy I can lay in bed for 8 hours. I know. That's what I mean. <laughs> Would you say that the the theme or the the relationship between mother and daughter is like a big part of the show? Absolutely. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, so it's a huge, like, central theme yeah. of it because there's also Camille, the main character. Her mom, I believe, remarried, and Camille seems like she's probably in, like, her 30s, but she has a 15-year-old half-sister oh, okay. who lives in the house that with her parents that she's staying in. And her sister's also a little crazy, <laughs> and there's a lot there's a lot about that too, okay. and the relationship between her and her sister, and her sister and her mom. So I would say, yeah, that's definitely a huge. Just weird. And then you do stuff. learn some stuff about the mother's relationship with the grandmother. So it's oh, okay, all many generations, <laughs> yeah. being fucked up. <laughs> well, I was going to say it kind of goes in hand with the our previous episode that Che and I recorded about like the theme of like motherhood in horror movies and how it's yeah. becoming this big trend. It's been there the whole time. There's a lot of older movies that deal right. with it, but recently there's been a whole crop of new movies. So Che, if you're listening, you might want to check out Sharp Objects. But yeah, that also the last one we did, Hereditary, also was very similarly central. weird, fucked up relationships with mother and daughter yeah. stuff. Well, cool. Thanks for uh, letting us know about that one. Yeah, no problem. Um, and Maddox, what are you drinking? What are you watching? Uh, I am drinking Lagunitas Twelfth of Never Ale because I had two cans left in my fridge and I didn't want to stop and buy a beer on the way over here. Why would you keep so, a tropical that's bird such in your an fridge? Emphatic endorsement. Where else do you keep them? Um, oh, what am I watching? Forget the question like this one over here. Yeah. <laughs> what is, is it We've the heat? Is the heat frying your brains? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm watching two very different things. I'm super late to the train on Preacher. Mm. So I've been catching up on Preacher, which I blew through the first season like a week or two ago. And I just like wasn't mentally ready for the second season. Just, I don't know, my brain was like, you're not ready yet, you need to stop. <laughs> and so finally last night I was like, alright, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it and watch the first episode. And, yeah, and like, first episode done, I'm like, holy shit, this show is amazing. <laughs> but so, you might not have been ready? I think I'm ready. Okay. I think I'm good. Okay. Um, I'm also just, I'm going away this weekend for my boyfriend's, like, family birthday celebrations and just imagine myself like hiding away in long, one of the rooms watching Preacher, which is extremely loud, and there's like swearing and gunshots <laughs> and like sc- 
screaming and wailing. And like most of these people have only met me once or twice, maybe never. I'm like, I'm like what Great the first hell is she doing in that family. room? So yeah, so I'm watching through Preacher, and then on the flip side, I just started uh, Disenchantment, the new Matt. I can never say his last name. Matt Groening. Groening. See, I was going to say Matt Groening, which I know is the joke in The Simpsons. I can write down <laughs> his name. It's Groening. So in my head, that's just always stuck in there. Yeah, I watched the first episode of that. Fully prepared to hate it, but actually really enjoyed it. So. Looking forward to that. It's a good one. I know we talked about it before. I was pleasantly surprised with where it went. I don't know anything about this. It's good. Well, are you, I mean, living in a house previously with uh, rabid Simpsons fans, are you familiar with, like, Simpsons and Futurama? Yeah, yeah. So it's basically Matt Groening and the crew basically building this world of newly lovable characters in sort of a sword and sorcery medieval oh, setting. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty good. It's like, it's kind of formulaic for what they do, but it takes it in different directions. Like, some mm-hmm. of the jokes are, like, there, but that's kind of you what they do. You want that to some degree. Yeah. That's why yeah. you're there. Yeah. I yeah. feel like the animation is really good. Like, I enjoy yeah. some of the direction of it better. They have this cool, like, opening scene, like, where you see the castle, and then it does that, I don't know what it's called, but, like, castle sort of spins in the frame yeah there's a lot of really cool um 3d animated set fixtures that they like a lot of like the panning and zooming of like settings is all done probably in 3d versus like some of the traditional stuff that they do for the character animation yeah i like stuff like that because it would happen and i would just sort of like pause and be like that was really pretty (laughs) (laughs) like it's basically a throwaway scene for them but i'm like i appreciated that you did that you should look up, there was an animated show, it didn't last long, it was on Adult Swim years ago, that was based on Tony Millionaire's Sock Monkey and Drinky Crow series. It was a comic book that got made into this animated series, and it was sort of the same deal with this interesting combination of like a 2D look, sort of a cel-shaded look wrapped around 3D characters and 3D settings. But you would love it because it's pretty dark. Like, the, the crow is constantly drinking, and he gets like dead drunk, and then the sock monkey... <laughs> Or no, maybe the, the crow is always trying to kill himself and the sock monkey's always trying to talk him out of it, but they basically get shanghaied onto a pirate ship and they're traveling the seas and they're constantly getting, like, venereal diseases <laughs> and, like, jaundice and, like, other things that happen when they're on the pirate ship. It's a really weird show, but it's kind of the same sort of... Not, like, the Simpsons style, but, like, the same kind of animation style. It's pretty fun. Nice. I'll add that to the list. But, yeah... What are you drinking? What are you watching? I'm drinking a beer with a lobster on it. It yeah. is Gantz's Fresh Catch. This is the first beer I've had in like a couple weeks because I'm still getting over my cold. I thought it was going to be lobster flavored, but I guess it's an ale that just has citrus in it, which is probably good for me too, so I don't get jaundice and vitamin C always scurvy. helps me. Yeah, scurvy. That's what I was ship. thinking of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, what I've been watching is Dark Tourist, which is a series on Netflix. It is a show that is curated and kind of hosted by um, this gentleman, I can't remember his name, but he did a previous documentary that the three of us watched and loved called Tickled. Which oh, is the, that was him? I didn't even yeah, know that. Yeah, it's the same dude. And, oh. Um, yeah, so if you've seen that one, if you haven't seen that one, definitely check it out. It's weird. It's basically about this international conspiracy about people who contact random people on the internet and invite them. Like, people who are hard on their luck and need money, they will pay them ludicrous amounts of money or give them, like, crazy prizes to basically come and participate in this really intense tickling competition. And then if they, like, try to get out of it or if they try to find out anything about them, the people who organize it basically ruin their lives. But 
they claim it's not anything to do with it's not sexual, it's not pornographic, but it kind of, it's But it's, it's always young jacked dudes for yeah. some reason. So. They also insist it's not gay in any way whatsoever. And it's it's if you haven't seen Tickled, I'm not gonna say anymore, you have to check it out. It's it's a really interesting documentary. It's very bizarre. Um, so this guy did that, gained a lot of fame toward the show circuit with that movie and did great, and now he has the show Dark Tourist, where basically he's going around the world participating in what's considered dark tourism, and basically what that means is people who take vacations to look at and check out really morbid shit. So I'm a few episodes in, like, for example, I think the first one is he visits Colombia, Medellin, Colombia, and he goes through all the places where Pablo Escobar killed people. He talks with Pablo Escobar's head assassin, and there's like these really weird, kind of funny, kind of terrifying interviews. He also has uh, an experience where he pays to go on a tour that basically shows you what it's like to illegally immigrate into the U.S. for people in Mexico, and that's pretty terrifying. Just the fact that people pay to see what it's like, or go on like a tour to try that, it's like a really weird episode. But then one of the ones that I was just telling Maddox about was they go to Fukushima, and they're already doing tours of Fukushima, even though it's not remotely alright to be there. The radiation levels are still super high, and... That's kind of the funny part of the episode is they go there and there's just these old people, there's these young people, and when they have their little Geiger counters that are given on the tour and the the readings, like, spike, they're surprised. And then the, the tour guide's like, oh, do we want to go back? And they're like, oh, but we've only been going for, like, a half hour. No refunds. And it's <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really kind of fun. It's, like, really dark, but it's he kind of puts, like, sort of a funny kind of bent on it, and it's it's really informative and shot really well, and from a very interesting angle. So if you get a chance to check that out, I haven't finished it yet, so I don't know what else he gets Have up to. Have you watched the New Orleans one yet? I don't think so. Oh. What does he do in New Orleans? See, I've been skipping around on that one because they're not connected anyway. Yeah. Um, he goes and hangs out with vampires. Like, oh, shit. People who, like, live as vampires. Yeah. They seem very nice. That's, they so that's, not to spoil anything in Preacher, but there is a coven of... New Orleans vampires that Cassidy sort of befriends in the third season that's like it's a, like amazing setup I don't know where it's going yet but like just the, the lean into it I think you're really <laughs> going to enjoy nice um, yeah maybe we should do that maybe our next episode we should just take a trip to New Orleans and like hang out with see vampires. what we can get into yeah. I mean there's, there's weren't some... you going to move there at one point yeah I was I was like a yeah. Minutes away. But the humidity we, there is even worse. I know. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we were also really excited because we were like, if Chrissy moves to New Orleans, then we have a place to stay. <laughs> I, I know. So I'm pretty sure we I got drunk one night and we're like planning out our trip based on you moving. <laughs> and then you move. I'm sorry. Yeah, so it can still happen. Yeah, I mean, I we can mean, easily get down there either way, you know. I no, just. We can yeah. only go if Chrissy moves there. And becomes a vampire. Yeah. I'm not against sleeping in a gutter. Just going to put that out there for anybody listening who might live in New Orleans. It's also very inexpensive to travel to just... True. But let's put that out there. But, you know, whatever. (laughs) So normally at the end of every episode, I ask you guys to think about contributing to our Patreon. But if we have any listeners who are currently living in, on, or around New Orleans and would love to sponsor two lovely ladies and a kind of alright dude um, for like a weekend or something... Let us know. Reach out and let us know. We'd love to meet our fans, possibly have them join us for a podcast. Yeah, we'll make it worth your wild. I'm winking. You can't see it because this is an audio format. No, he's not. I didn't wink. Mm-hmm. I'm, lying to, I'm lying to the listeners. Already lying. Ugh, I can't even feel half my face. That's probably why I'm not winking. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
to bring it back around from this long sidetrack of <laughs> vacation planning that this just turned into, what we're here to talk about, to get into it, to get into the nitty-gritty meat and bone of this episode, is another uber-dry, educational, supernatural, funky, weird documentary um, that came out a few years back about the Bridgewater Triangle. Now, has anybody actually been in the Bridgewater Triangle? Have you been to any part that was discussed in the movie that was contained within that Unknowingly, yeah. Okay. Like, I've never gone to, like, investigate or been, like, aware. Like, I knew of the Bridgewater Triangle pretty soon after moving here, but didn't know the geography of it. Okay. Until knew it was a triangle. I knew it was a triangle. I, was a triangle. Was. I didn't know how big the triangle was. <laughs> I didn't know where it was other than somewhere around Bridgewater. It could be an isosceles triangle. It could be um, whatever those other ones acute. were. Acute. That's an, an angle. angle. Geometry. It could be acute triangle, though. <laughs> I might want to take <laughs> that triangle on a date. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I so I didn't realize how big it was until I watched this documentary. So I guess I have been there for totally different reasons okay. and I never realized it. And you also, Maddox, have accidentally been within the triangle? I mean, I've like intentionally been there. Like I've hiked around the swamp they talked about. And oh, really? sure I've camped in it. But did you know times. that it was like a weird spot? No, I had never heard of that before. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, when they said this was a legendary area, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> See, I remember hearing about because like, I've been up here now for like uh, I don't know, too long. But I remember hearing about it in college and thinking, like, oh, that's weird. Like, I never really thought, like, I'd want to go out there. But listeners, to preface this, the Bridgewater Triangle is basically like the Bermuda Triangle. Weird shit happens there. But it's a chunk of land in Massachusetts where people see Bigfoots, people see weird shit. There's cults. There's, what UFOs, else? UFOs. Like, there's been strange weird, murders. There's been... Men's. Satanic rituals. Yeah, all kind of weird shit. So, you know, when we saw a documentary about that, that was right up our alley. We figured we'd jump on it. Keep it local. Yeah, exactly. Maybe maybe we'll have a follow-up episode one day where we actually go out there and start bugging people about it. But um, also... Ooh, who's in there? Well, we'll I mean, Swamp there, Thing, potentially. <laughs> a lot of old white people, seems like. Yeah. A lot of old <laughs> white dudes in fedoras. There were a lot of fedoras. Yes, there were a lot movie. of funky hats. Yeah. Um, My two initial thoughts were that they were all, like, rejected Magic the Gathering players. Yeah. <laughs> like, I got kicked out of the thing, and then my second thought was that they should hire you to do their headshots. Because they all had, like, really terrible have... professional photos. Yes. Oh, I was just like, oh. The one guy who was like, I'm a musician. Here's a picture of me playing the guitar. Yeah, but we can't really see your face because you're squinting so hard playing the guitar, so how can we tell that's really you? And also, what does that have to do with, like, literally anything else in the documentary? Or some of them look like dating profile shots. Yeah. Like, it was just, it was kind of, like, the production of the documentary was kind of off. Like, not, not terrible. Like, it's still a great presentation, but, like, some of that stuff kind of fell, fell to the, the wind, if you will. I wasn't a big fan of the intercut illustration of certain things. Uh, it was, you know, I, I mean, I kind of wish, I guess that's my dream job, is doing little illustrations for this movie, so maybe... For this they, movie. For this movie. If they make a... Uh, we can do it. <laughs> if they make a, uh, a sequel, maybe I'll jump on that train. But yeah, I haven't actually been out that way. That, like, that whole part of Massachusetts is just, to me, like, dead uh, no man's land. Like, I, I don't think I've been all the way out that yeah, way. Yeah, there's... Is that technically Western Mass? 
No, it's southeastern Mass. So this I've is been in my down notes. That way. I just haven't been actually. over that way. So I drew a picture <laughs> of the Bridgewater Triangle, and the top point is Abington. Then the left corner is Rehoboth. Rehoboth. Rehobo. <laughs> um, and then the opposite corner is Freetown. Okay. It's such a weird area. Unless you, like, know somebody who lives down there mm-hmm. and you're, like, going to hang out with them, you would probably not end up there for any reason. That's the thing. Yeah. Is like, yeah, I thought the same thing. It's like, I haven't been out that way because I haven't had a reason to go out there. Yeah. But there is some cool stuff. Like, we were talking about the... There's a lot of historical stuff out there. I was even looking at a list of um, most haunted, like, houses in New England and Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are kind of, like, out in that area. Or, like, the Lizzie Borden house is out that way. And that's right. technically within the triangle. But I guess I just don't have the initiative. I have a car. I just haven't gone. There's yeah. no reason to. <laughs> Shortly after this episode was recorded, Andrew took a road trip out to the Bridgewater Triangle and was never seen or heard from again. (laughs) You're you're just covering because we know you've been there. You were in the documentary. Oh, yeah. yeah. They had your image. Yeah. Yeah. Should we talk about that now? I think we should. I think we're jumping around a lot, but I think that's a good segue. I think, yeah, let's talk about how I was in this movie. Okay. We're going to start from the beginning. (laughs) So there's apparently a ghost hitchhiker. On some dirt road. I'm not a ghost. Spoilers. Prove it. <laughs> um, on some dirt road in the Bridgewater Triangle, and apparently, if you you have to stop right and turn your headlights off, turn your lights off, yeah. and then turn them back on, and he'll be there. Yeah. And then, but then it said also, if you're driving on that freeway and you have three people in your car, he'll show up in like the empty seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was when they had like their hilarious graphic that was just like. <laughs> Like a cutout, basically, like rising in the seat, but like, hey. Well, I like the dramatic reenactments in that part were great too because it was just the the guy doing like dramatic turns to like the passengers in the back seat and like just looking really. So the guy in the dramatic reenactment just looked like your stock like Alston guy that is like (laughs) beanie and a huge beard and a plaid shirt and is like, yo, can I get a ride home from the show? And he just gets in your car without asking. Feeling hipster lumberjack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Which I thought was hilariously appropriate for the region. But, and then the animation looked like you. Yeah, the illustrations (laughs) that I was complaining about. But this one is is actually really good because it's a fairly good likeness of me, so I might get it framed. (laughs) But it was weird because we basically all chose the same night to watch it, but we were watching it separately. And we were all texting each other during the movie, and Chrissy was ahead of the game on most of it, and she she was telling us all about it ahead of the time. (laughs) And then she sent a picture, and then I couldn't believe my eyes because then I saw it on my TV. It was really weird. Um, But yeah, so... I'm a movie star now. The jig is up. I can't hitchhike anymore. Y'all know that I'm, I've am i been a ghost the whole time. Yeah. Haley Joe Osment wasn't here to tell you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let's let's get this this train derailment back on the tracks <laughs> a little bit. No, 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 it's fine. It's a, it's, a good, it's a good segue because essentially explaining that the Bridgewater Triangle is a weird place, the documentary basically begins explaining what it is, and then we're introduced to a plethora 
of, of characters, of people, if you will. And I was telling you guys, I hope that you remember the names because I can't remember any of these dudes' names. But they're all independent researchers, authors, artists, like other people who have seen or witnessed or have been researching this stuff for a really long time. One of the dudes is the dude, if you are familiar with the weird insert state name here, books that they've done for pretty much every state in the union at this point. I have a copy, I think, of Weird Maryland and Weird Massachusetts, probably somewhere in the house. They're fun books. They basically list a lot of this stuff, but he had referenced in the in the movie that he did the Weird Massachusetts book. This movie is also a big peddling stage for a lot of these people. There's so many people who are like, check out my book. <laughs> Look at this stuff that I did. And then it cuts to just the cover of the book. Uh, sure, well, just... Yeah, and also on that... <laughs> I feel like the font and all the book covers is terrible. Yeah, they're not really... None of them are designers, so that's fine. There was definitely some, like, Comic Sans and, like, other Mm -hmm. things going on, and I was just like, "Mm." (laughs) mmm. Like, Chrissy needs to take your photos, and you need to go to, like, outsource something. I could design all these books. Yeah. (laughs) And I could just tell them how much they suck. Yeah, there we go. So... Done. You'll be the editor, I'll be the designer, you'll be the photographer. The cool. editor is really just the person that tells you how much stuff sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it stinks. <laughs> oh, man. So. But yeah, actually, fun, funny that you mentioned that. I was on my way home walking past the church that's right across from uh, that one pizza place. I walked past it so many times I never noticed the church's sign is in, entirely in Comic Sans. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> you never noticed that? That's, that's unfortunate. I don't know if yeah. Jesus would forgive that. No. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> so we're introduced to all these guys. You might, if you're in the scene or you're in the know and you do read these books and you like follow along, you might know a lot of these guys by name, a lot of ghost hunter type people. But then it gets into sort of explaining how the prevailing theory is that the reason that the Bridgewater Triangle is cursed is because the white man shafted the Native Americans who originally lived here. And I guess we can start talking about that. Well, how did you guys feel about that? The presentation of that? Sort of as like a starting point, having a bunch of old white guys telling <laughs> us about how we did the Native American folk here real dirty. It was weird. Like, it felt very much like they were reading off like the wiki page for King Philip's War. Yeah. And I was like, this is all, like, really, like, generic information. And at one point, one of, one of the guys spoke with her was bad people on both sides. And I was just like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> And I was like, oh, this is why white people shouldn't explain things like this. Yeah. <laughs> the real monsters in the Bridgewater Triangle are us all along. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, it was just, it was weird. Yeah, I mean... I guess, like, who's left to explain it but these weird white guys, though? Because they're the only people that are left. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure it did come down to that where, like, they probably approached, I mean, I'd like to think, I'd like to give them the benefit of the doubt that they did approach some Native Americans and were like, could we pay you to talk about this in our movie? Or, like, do you have an opinion on this? And they're probably like, no, leave us alone. Because at one point they do go to a reservation. Right. And and don't talk to anyone. They film the sign. And they don't talk to anybody. And it's like, okay, well. But, like, I really wouldn't blame any Native American for declining to be a part of this. Yeah. So, I guess you get what you get. They probably saw their headshots and saw the comic sans. who were like, no. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, if we're thinking about it that way, they also weren't able to interview any Bigfoots. Big big Feets. It's true. Big Feets. They they were missing a lot of people. Yeah. uh, 
Considering that there's all these things that they talk about in the movie that exist in this space, we didn't really see any real evidence, if, if, you know, if you think about it. There was that video that that one guy took of the UFOs. The UFO, that was interesting. Which was genuinely, like, not something I could identify, so I'll give him that. Yeah, but I mean, that's... One of the things that did stand yeah. out to me, one <laughs> yeah. of the dudes did quote at one point, he was like, there was a time that I possibly saw lights in the sky that I believed to be a UFO. Could it have been a UFO? Possibly. Could it have been an airplane? Also possibly. But we possibly will never know. If he said possibly one more time, I was going to chuck yeah. my TV off the, the I, wall. But I added that line to my quotes, or my notes for the show. I was like, what did you just say? Yeah. It's, it's like, I love to believe in this stuff, and I do believe in cryptids, and I do believe in the existence of extraterrestrials, all that stuff. But I take it with a grain of salt. I am very skeptical at the same time. And I think the presentation in this movie is fair, but sometimes it does sort of lean into that, like, okay, well, I'd like more. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Well, I also, I mean, I think there was just too much to cover because they're claiming everything under the sun. Yeah. And you can't really dig into any one thing like that much. They did um, segment it. Like, it was, like, segmented very well. It like, was. Like, they didn't try yeah. to, like, mix, like, what we're doing right now. But like, it had to be, like, very, very fast because yeah. they're, like, we've got UFOs and ghosts and yeah. Bigfoot and anything you could ever think of. And it definitely is hard to dig too far into any one thing. I also thought that the investigators were, like, oddly selective about what they were skeptical about. Like, a lot of them were 100% convinced that Bigfoot or multiple big feet <laughs> were in the Bridgewater Triangle. Yeah. But were pretty much, like, 100% like, no, there's definitely not any ghosts here. Yeah. And I'm like, what is it inside of you that makes you so convinced that Bigfoot is real but ghosts can't be real? Like, I'm not well, buying so, it. Like, that I can sort of understand from a from a standpoint of Bigfoot could technically be just, like, a really reclusive ape-man animal. Like, he could exist sure. just like you and me. Ghosts technically exist on another plane. Like, that's a whole other level of existence, like, believing in the afterlife, believing in some... Like, that disassociation for certain people I can understand. Like, I will blanket it all and just put it in the same basket. Like, I understand that, too. too. And I want to believe, you know, Mulder style. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I think you do get, like, a a peppering of different beliefs in this this movie because you have certain researchers and, like, I don't know if anyone was pegged as a, a specific specialist, like, if this was the Bigfoot specialist or if this was the ghost specialist or... But... You know, beyond that, they do get into some things that are more historical beyond just the the history of the, the potential Native American curse on the area. And the, one of the more striking parts of the documentary, I thought, was when they do get into, like, the, the satanic cults yeah. and the murders and, like, that sort of, like, the true crime stuff. Well, that's very much real. Yeah. So, like, yeah, you, you don't have to prove it actually happened. And then when they show, like, the creepy bunker that had the baby clothes in it and the, the little house that, like, doesn't exist anymore and then they actually went there, that was kind of cool. But you don't get there until, like, what feels like six hours into the documentary. Yeah, it is at the very, at the very they end. They leave, like, the really good stuff for the end. But are there are there other parts that stuck out to you guys? Are there certain things that you wanted to highlight or talk about? I had a couple other things, but, like, I want to throw it out there. 
So one thing, as one being on Team Scully and sort of the resident outdoors person, (laughs) I've been to this area a lot. Like I've been to the swamp they mentioned. I've been to the state forest. The Um, Hockamock? There was the the pond start with an H. Nipponicket. And then there was like Freetown something. The state forest. The Freetown State Forest. Yeah. That's where like the cult activity was like strongest. But for people like not in from this area, like it's not that big of an area. And it's not like the entire triangle is this like remote forest. Yeah. It's basically just like a smattering of small towns with a suburban area. Swamp or forest in it. Like it's so it's sort of funny because like a lot of these areas I'm like, yeah, this is like five miles from like a highway strip mall <laughs> like thing. Targets like targets right yeah, there. You're not remote. This is not the Colorado Rockies. This is not the Sierra Nevada. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about a pretty mm-hmm. isolated small state park. And like the way they would talk, they'd be like, oh man, I don't want to be out here at night. I'm like, really dude? <laughs> but I mean at the same time, like there were those people that got killed out there. Like they do talk about how brutal some of those I murders don't... were. So, well, the murders didn't necessarily happen in the state park. Some of their bodies were found in the state parks, but that's not anything They didn't get murdered there. They were just found there. Yeah, but it was, like, the general, like, area. Like, they made it sound like it was very much connected to the area. I was like, you guys are stretching. Well, I think the connection to the area was just that the group that murdered people, like, met in the park, right? The nighttime is the right time. Well, they met, like, in an apartment, like, in one of the shitty towns in that triangle. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, there was the, there was the was apartment the... complex, and then there was something that was going on in the forest, yeah. too. Because the, remember, like the they found, rituals. like... They were doing yeah. animal sacrifices and stuff in yeah. which the they, But they never found any evidence of that. No, well, that they had the... people talking. There were, like, 50... Not 50. There was, like, 20-some slaughtered calves. Remember, they did have pictures of that. And dead birds. I couldn't find any news record of any dead so animals. So it was just in, in the documentary? Yeah. Weird. So I wouldn't be surprised if they beef some things up for the yeah. documentary. A lot of the stuff, like like the guy who claimed that he saw like a, a big dog mm-hmm. ripping the throats out of his little pony. <laughs> the dog was as big as a horse. Like some sort of horse dog. And then he changed it to pony and then I was like, oh, these like Shetland ponies because Shetland ponies aren't that big. So Midget it's not ponies. not that impressive. Um, but... Yeah, like, I like I did like a quick Google search and I found no records of any of this. Huh. So the only things that came up were like, you know, documentary talks about mass history. Yeah. Like, I and like it was about were... this documentary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, so I'm skeptical on like animal mutilation stuff and yeah, like the creepy bunker that had like the baby clothes and stuff in it. They never found anything else about that. It could have just but been a baby yeah. living in the wilderness. Well, like, I was also thinking when I moved to Cowtown in Vacaville when I was in high school, like, the cool thing for kids to do was to go out to the Zodiac Shack, which was just this windshed on somebody's property, and people would leave creepy shit in it. At the same time, I was like, that creepy bunker with the kids' clothes could easily have been a bunch of teenagers yeah. who just were like, fucking around. look at this abandoned place. What if we just left stuff here? I didn't even think about that, but we used to do the same shit. Growing up, there was a... <laughs> a forest down the street from my house that basically lined the peninsula and we would wander in and we found a crazy bamboo forest. Somebody had planted bamboo and it just grew wild. And we would build, in the winter when the bamboo fell, we would build bamboo, like full bamboo huts. And we would leave them there. And then it made the news. It was like someone living in the, the forest. Oh, and it's like, no, God. this is just a bunch of kids fucking around. Like, it's not weird. I mean, I grew up in a house that had a driveway that was about a half a mile long into the woods, but... And, like, just woods all around. 
And at the bottom of the driveway, there was an, a creepy abandoned shack that was just on our property since before we got there and just left it there. And, yeah, like, kids would just hide in there and, like, drink and stuff. And my brother and I, when we were little kids, would, like, break in there and play. <laughs> and there were, like, you know, weird baby doll heads and stuff in there. And we were just like, ah, someone was <laughs> probably just messing with us. True. It's like, uh, it's like when, you know, there's, there's kids that think, oh yeah, Satanism is cool. Let's draw pentagrams or, oh, like right. nobody likes Nazis. So let's draw incorrect swastikas everywhere. It's like the same sort of idea. So all these crime photos of people saying it's like Satanism. It's like, well, you know, like, I mean, there's a church of Satan out in Salem now, but those people are cool. They're fine. Yeah. I mean, that's mostly, yeah. yeah. And they're mainly atheists who are just like, ha. We're going to start a religion. (laughs) And that's the thing is like as spooky as they try to make this whole place sound like it's nowhere near Salem and Salem's pretty spooky. But yeah, I think it's, it's enjoyable from that. You can stand in a third party position and watch this movie and let the movie kind of happen to you. And like, there's so many super duper serious documentaries out there. Like one of my favorite documentaries is Grizzly Man. Like I can watch that documentary a million times and it's like uber intense, well shot, very serious. But this one takes itself very seriously, but it can kind of laugh at it. Yeah. Because there was a segment about um, Thunderbirds, like the giant... <laughs> oh, like, yeah. I've seen falcons flying around. I've seen rather large birds even flying around here. We used, we had a bird, was it last summer or like a couple summers ago, that like picked up that poodle on the common? Do you remember I that? did yeah. not hear anything about this. Yeah, it made the news. There was like a big... It was it was like a... Not like a... I don't know if it was an eagle or, like, a peregrine falcon or something like that, and it pick, it was picking up little dogs, and so they had signs around oh, the wow. common for a while that said, beware, like, if you have small dogs and stuff, but that segment was kind of funny because it showed a couple renderings of, like, what these giant birds <laughs> are supposed to look like, and they were, like, a little red, so they were, like, odd-colored, and then there's, like, and, you know, people have said they have seen them. Okay, bye. And then it just went on to the next thing, and it's like, mm-hmm. all right, well, you wanted to mention that, but you really, really didn't have anything to, like, back that up. You didn't have anybody who's like, oh, I've seen it. Like, the Bigfoot was probably the biggest part of, like, several people being like, I saw them, and then they disappeared. Or, I smelled them. The one guy was like, I was walking around, and I smelled what smelled like a skunk. You were in the woods. There's no, yeah, like it's perfectly reasonable that. <laughs> or even it could like it could have just been kids smoking a bunch of pot in the woods. Like, or that, yeah. you know. But I would I would pay all my money to just walk out of my house one day and the turkeys that congregate on our street just hanging out with a Bigfoot. That would be amazing. Like Bigfoot just playing with the turkeys, <laughs> and I wouldn't even take a picture. I'd just be like, I'll remember that forever. <laughs> I'll talk about it in a documentary. Yeah, I'll tell people about when I saw now, Bigfoot playing with turkeys. When I'm old and I have a more expansive fedora collection. <laughs> if I had to like briefly summarize this movie or just like review it, I would say that it's like full of a lot of great information. As you were saying, we're not sure if it's true, but definitely learned a lot of facts either way. (laughs) And the overall vibe of it, though, is very much like when you were in high school and you had a substitute teacher who didn't really want to teach anything, so would come in and like put a movie on, on, and you would just try to stay awake, and you're like, I'm actually getting a lot of information out of this, but I'm gone. Like, I (laughs) fell asleep at the end of this movie. So this is the VeggieTales of documentaries? Your substitute teachers were putting VeggieTales I went to, yeah, I went to private Catholic school. 
What? Yeah, I guess that would be different. I forgot it had that religious bent. As it came out of my mouth, I was like, wait, that tomato was throwing Bibles at people. <laughs> wait, really? Yeah, that was pretty much all we watched whenever it was just like, hey, I don't have a lesson plan, here's a Veggie Tales. In high school? In high school, too, yeah. Wow. You guys were wondering I why I was as dumb experience. as I am. <laughs> I learned so much from that tomato and that cucumber. Ours, like, movie that always got thrown on for me was Forrest Gump. God, I hated that movie. Oh, for me, it was always random documentaries like this. Huh. Never, like, never really about paranormal stuff. It yeah. was always, like, something relevant to the class, but it was always just super dry, and they would lie to us and tell us <laughs> there was going to be a test or something. But, yeah, so... I guess we don't all share that experience. <laughs> and this is why it's mind. great that yeah. we're all talking yeah. You're together. You're like, it's just like Veggie Tales. <laughs> what? <laughs> what the fuck? So tune in next time for our episode exclusively about Veggie Tales <laughs> here on Fear Boners. But yeah, there's just so many weird... Mo- like, I was telling you guys about how I was familiar with Puck Wedgies, and I just showed you guys that comic that I made about Puck Wedgies a few years ago, and that's something that I feel like when I was doing research on that whole mythological thing... It's mostly concentrated in, like, the Northeast and the, the tribes that settled here. Like, it's almost more of their belief that that is sort of like a trickster being. Like, you wouldn't necessarily, like, they might not exist in lore and myth in the Midwest or, like, the, the West Coast. And so I thought that was great that they talked about that. Is it specific? Is that lore specific to the tribe? Several several tribes in, like, New England yeah. have reference to them in their, like, stories. But when I was doing the research, I didn't find much else spread throughout the different... Mm-hmm. What exactly... So, I meant to look this up after I watched the documentary and forgot. Like, basic rundown, what is a Pukwudgie? So, a Pukwudgie is basically Danny DeVito from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> a tiny, Great. little, creepy-looking dude. He has big ears, big nose, big eyes, covered in hair, pretty much, or, like, long hair... Big hands, big feet, almost like a gremlin, but, like, more human. Okay. But sort of exaggerated features, and he's just constantly trying to play tricks or, like, steal things. They steal mm-hmm. things a lot. But in the documentary, they do that interesting thing where they also talk about how people can be possessed by puck wedgies, and they do play oh, that they weird show- video. Yeah, so that was another that was kind piece of, a weird, of evidence. Yeah, that was, a good, that was a good part of the documentary. It was, like, kind of weird, but then, like, when that dude just tackles the woman... There's a part where, you remember where the woman gets possessed by a puckwudgie and she starts walking backwards and, like, laughing and she falls over and then the guy tackles her because she tries to, like, run away into the into the water. She's, like, right on the edge of a, a river or lake or something and they're trying to keep her away from it. Maddox is rolling her eyes right now. so corny. It does seem a little bit, like, trumped up like a, like a ghost hunter's kind of like, did you hear that? What was that? Yeah. Yeah. But it is sort of creepy. Like, the part where she starts to laugh, like, that's creepy. And then the dude tackles her, and I'm like, oh, gee, oh, shit. (laughs) Like, he's just crushing that woman. But it was, like, it was, no. You don't think it was real? No. But now (laughs) that that was, it was so corny and lame. Like, oh, we're going to keep her in the light, but, like, not really. Make it kind of creepy. And Mm. I just imagine, like, after they stopped filming them being like, oh, your laugh was so creepy. That was awesome. (laughs) It's going to do great on the found footage forums. I mean, the thing is that I don't feel like I can say that there's nothing going on in the Bridgewater Triangle just because this documentary was cheesy. Oh, yeah. I mean... Like, they might have... I mean, in fairness, I haven't camped there, so I guess that's true. I guess, like, the way that I learned of the Bridgewater Triangle is when I 
first moved to Boston and even like a little bit before that, because I'm not from like too far from here, um, I had a bunch of friends who grew up in Bridgewater and talked about it all the time. But I mean, at this point, everybody's like 17, 18, 19, and they all have their own story. So I guess the credibility is questionable, but like, I don't know, from my perspective, it has been like a given that it's real since I found out about it. So I guess that's why I'm like having a harder time, like totally dismissing it. Yeah. I don't think these guys are going to sell anybody on the idea that there's UFOs and spirits there. I mean, for these people, it is their like their way of life. It is how they make their living. They sell their books. They do, do tours. They, you don't think that they have to like... They probably have real jobs, but they <laughs> probably make a decent living in their small towns being like, hey, really? I'm, here's, I'm the guy that wrote this book. Because also it does kind of fall into that. I'm, I'm realizing that we sort of sat in an organization where it's like, you are the you are the bigger believer. I'm kind of on the fence and yeah. just like, no, fuck this shit. It's bullshit. <laughs> but... Honestly, even growing up in, like, an area like I did or when I first came up here and hearing about the Bridgewater Triangle, it very much comes from small-town, whisper-down-the-lane type. Yeah. Like, like things yeah. are passed down and people hear stories and then people want to have their own stories and people sort of make things up. Like, there's this kind of stuff down in Maryland, too. I think we have a goat man down in Maryland that people <laughs> see all the time. Things like that where there's no documented evidence, but people will tell you, swear up and down, that they saw it. Yeah. And that's cool. Like, I would love to believe in the existence of Bigfoot, of Chupacabras, of the Jersey Devil, things like that, as terrifying as some of that is. But, like... I really just, you gotta wonder, like, in this day and age where everybody's got a camera on their phone, how come there hasn't been good documented evidence of this stuff at all at this point? But it's fun to think about, and it's fun to, you know, like, I feel like a lot of the ghost stuff they presented was probably the, like, the hardest to believe, or the hard, like, there wasn't any real ghostly evidence right. that was presented. The one where they were talking about the ghost lights, where the guy was like, <laughs> we were standing on the they bridge. Were <laughs> What was it? Spook, Spook lights. lights. Spook and I was like, lights. what is that? Yeah. And at one point, the one guy does say uh, swamp gas. And it's like, well, yeah, like that is a thing that happens. But could have just been some fucking fireflies, bro. You were standing on a bridge and you saw something. You, you thought it was a guy in a kayak with three flashlights. <laughs> and then there, you were like, you were like, but then there was no kayak. So it must be spook lights. All right. Yeah. That's fine. It's, you know, people are allowed to have imaginations and that's great. And people are always just telling stories. Like, people like people in their element are just born to tell stories. Yeah. But, yeah, some of the stuff just... It's weird because it does swing back and forth. Some of the stuff is super hokey. Some of the stuff is kind of funny. The dramatic reenactments are entertaining. But it just keeps coming back to the fact that these people are just trying to... Like, for me, it was just like, these people are just trying to make money. They're selling... They, they probably sold this movie. They sold a bunch of books afterward. They do ghost tours. They cleanse people's houses of spirits. That sort of stuff. And that's yeah. fine. Would you, could you recommend people to watch this movie and or venture out into the Bridgewater Triangle? I honestly would only recommend this to people who live in the area, who have lived in the area. That was kind of just like a funny, like, why it was yeah. like yeah. entertaining to me. Um, otherwise, it's no different than like Ghost Hunters or any of those other terrible series. But like, literally, if you go to these places, like, as soon as you get there, you'll be like, 
what underwhelmed. Yeah. <laughs> like, we could take 20 people and just have them walk from the, like, outside perimeter inward. And they could probably do it in a day. Yep. Easily. And it's like, and then what, is Bigfoot now also invisible? And, like, doesn't affect anything around him? Like, it's a small area. We don't know the extent of Bigfoot's powers. He could have invisibility powers. I mean, according to this thing, there are Thunderbirds. <laughs> there's, like, Bigfoot. There's the other, like, little hairy people. The, the uh, snakes. The giant snakes. The, the giant, giant snakes. snakes. The stovepipe snakes. Yeah. Like, I was like, every time, like, they're listing off the things in this yeah. area, I'm like, gosh, this is a really small forest. Would you want and one of those likely. imaginary snowpipe snakes? Yeah, I mean, if I don't have to their poop, then that would be, that'd be convenient. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, there's no if, hands, or buts. You have to clean up. Like you, you are the same. I don't want to do with like ghost poop. Like I don't know how, like how that whole thing. What do you need to? Oh, oh I don't I guess know. Not. I, don't I guess no. No, this no, is real poop. I'm cleaning real snake. Poop. Yeah, the stove top. I was like <laughs> the stove top snake. <laughs> I was like, what is this? Yeah. Um. That was another one where it was just like, yeah, people saw big snakes. Okay, bye. next thing. Yeah. And yeah. the guy drew a picture yeah. of it. It's like, all right. I think there are also like cats that were mentioned. Oh, the Mansfield mystery cat. Oh, yeah. Down with a lot of that one was kind of described sort of funny too. I just like the name. Yeah. I mean, if your cat, if Josie got out in Austin, people would be like, Everybody did you see that big bitch? Yeah. <laughs> it probably actually was Josie. It's she, a panther. She no. probably hitchhiked with Abbott yeah. out that area. Missed and then, solved. like, went around, they fucked with a bunch of people, and... Well, even that, like, a lot of the things could be explained with, like, illegal animal possession, like, the stove... Pipe snakes oh, could be just somebody had Somebody's somehow had. wound up I've with like an anaconda or something. People see a four foot garter snake oh, and be like, exaggerated. It's twelve feet long. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also feel like every single one of the guys in this documentary feels like he's a foot long dick. Yes. He's like, it is twelve inches. I barely survived my <laughs> so seeing the snake by the same magnification. Yeah, like that, that's just how... How many dicks long would you say the snake was? Oh, well, only my one. Dick? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I my dick or regular dicks? Um, I would say overall this is kind of a situation as are most of the documentaries that we watch is that we watch it so these people don't have to. <laughs> yeah, that's the a good The summary point. of it is great. Yeah. There's some great information, but it's not entertaining. You have to be ready to commit <laughs> yourself to paying attention pretty hard. Yeah. So if this isn't something that you're already super into knowing about, it's not going to get you into it. If somebody's weird friend is making them watch it with them, they're not going to be get sucked in. And they're probably not going to be friends anymore after it. Yeah, it's over. (laughs) So if you want to maintain your friendships, don't force. (laughs) Is this where both of you guys tell me that we're not friends anymore? I mean, I mean, the next it was your idea to be good. You made me watch two strikes. (laughs) Two strikes. Yeah, no, I kind of feel the same way. Like as you were talk, as you guys were talking about it, sort of felt like the same vibe that was when I grew up in Maryland and the Blair, the first Blair Witch Project came out, because that was like, yeah. everybody was like, holy shit, Burkittsville, Maryland, people died there, like, there's a witch there, like, all this shit, and, like, it became such a tourist attraction, and then even then, when we saw the, like, the premiere of the new Blair Witch that was, like, the direct sequel, and I knew immediately what it was when they said Burkittsville, Maryland, even before they told us that it was a Blair Witch movie, and I was like, oh, what the fuck, like, why are they coming back here? I was so excited about that. It was, it was fun, it was, well... It's not the movie we're talking about, but... <laughs> um, 
it was a cool experience. But I feel like that's the same feeling people in that area are like, sure. oh, yeah, yeah, that documentary where made us look all like we're kooks and crazies <laughs> and whatever. But I'm sure it's fun. I'm sure the areas, like, love it during the upcoming Halloween season. They yeah. can probably play that up. It's probably really good for tourism. Yeah. They're um, like the B-level Salem. They're like, Salem's really busy. You should come to the Water Triangle. Okay, so now we're going to be the oh, marketing and tourism yeah. board for those small towns. We can totally do a tour guide, guys. Yes. Could I be Bigfoot? Yes. You would be Littlefoot. Oh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> no, you the would be the little, the little, how short I the am. little furry guy that tried to take the dude away. Oh yeah. What, what did he say? He said he came up and he said, "Come with us." Come yeah. With. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, oh man. Okay, so here's a question. You got into this a little bit, but uh-huh. what are some of the like prevalent like urban legends where you grew up? Well, there was the like I said, there's the goat man, and usually he hangs out like just outside the airport. Not like outside of airport, airport, like waiting to is get picked up. Pick but like, no, but like there's a lot of there's a lot of woods and stuff in that area <laughs> okay. around like just outside of Baltimore. Stuff like that. I grew up down the street from like a bunch of abandoned buildings that the city basically built this park up and uh, abandoned it almost immediately, and it just went to went to dust and like it was just still there, locked up tight, but it looked very imposing. And so growing up, we basically spent every waking hour when we weren't in school trying to break into that building because we thought it was going to be something crazy yeah. and weird and whatever, and we would we would break windows, we'd break locks, we'd try to pick locks, we'd do what we could to try to get in. It took almost, like, five or six years for us to finally get a door open. And when we got in, we found a mummified cat that probably what? got caught in there at one point, oh, which was no. terrifying. We found, again, a bunch of pentagrams and poorly drawn swastikas spray painted all over the inside because clearly we weren't the first kids to get in there. Right. We found a partially devoured dildo. Devoured? I think an animal got to it. It was like gnawed on. Yeah. Yeah. It was like probably chewed up by a raccoon or a fox or something. And then the weirdest thing we found were huge pallets of boxes of Jack Daniels. So there were Jack Daniels labeled boxes for handles of Jack Daniels but when we opened them they were player piano scrolls, That's which was crazy. really weird. But there must That's have been, like, almost a thousand of them stacked, or more than a thousand just stacked in the corner of this one room. So it was, like, an interesting find. It was kind of spooky. None of the lights were functioning, so we didn't go that much further in because we never had flashlights and we were all pussies. But that, of course, like, as kids, we were just like, oh, there's a murderer that lives in there. Oh, there's a monster that lives in there. And we were always just you terrified. You thought there was a murderer in there and you were trying to break in? Yeah, we were, okay. um, we were dumb. We didn't have, like, that's the thing, is, like, again, going back to, like, small towns. Like, I didn't live in, like, a super small town, but it wasn't a city. Yeah. So we didn't have much to do, so right. you tried to make life more exciting. We built bamboo huts and pretended to avoid. There was a guy that pulled a gun on us that place one time. That's a whole <laughs> that other was story. Very, that's a whole other story. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, you try to make life exciting when you're a kid, and then you realize that life, when life is exciting in that way, it's terrifying, and then you just want to live a boring life. Right. What about you? What about you, you Maddox? The only thing I remember as a kid, like a sort of myth ghost thing, was like Bloody Mary, which I think is pretty. Yeah, well that's, a, oh, that's yeah. a universal yeah, thing. Yeah, like we had like one like super creepy mm-hmm. bathroom like on the playground at my school, which was really weird because it was like a private school, so my parents paid a fortune for me to go there. But there was still this like dark, damp, dirty bathroom in the playground. <laughs> uh, it's like that was like the mirror that you'd go and say her name. But like, other than that, I think. Partly just because I grew up in the Bay Area of California, 
We've had a lot of serial killers yeah. right. in that area. Right. Yeah. You know, and so, very real threats. And so that was more of like the urban legends in the area. You know, it was yeah. like the Green River Killer, yeah. the Zodiac Killer, and like the Oakland Strangler. Like, there's so many yeah. in that area. Some yeah. of them were caught. Some of them hadn't been. Some of them so, might have been Bigfoot. Some of them might have been aliens. Yeah. So no matter what town I lived in, there was always the shack. Or, like, yeah. the tree, the parking lot, the yeah. apartment building. Like, there was always something that was connected to whatever serial killer had been active in that area. Like, in Vacaville, I think we were probably, like, well outside of anywhere the Zodiac Killer had, like, dumped bodies. But they were still, like, close enough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, I agree with that. So, like, that, that was, like, more of my urban legend childhood. It was, it was much more related to, like, serial killers and like those type of threats and not so much the supernatural supernatural yeah. stuff yeah uh, my yes. brother did terrify me of my it wasn't the basement but it was like the lower level of my grandma's house mm-hmm. um which we'd always send out this huge tent maze like in the entire area and in the back of that room which was already kind of dark because it was like built into a hill and there was only one window so there was no natural light really the back of that room had a closet that had the furnace and like the graded style door so you mm-hmm. could sort of see into it. But he would do was like the way like I'd go through the maze tent, it would sort of open the back so I could see that door. And I don't know what he did. I think it was like a flashlight under a wig or something. <laughs> but it basically it looked like this like dark figure with glowing oh, red eyes. Oh, um, the old flashlight wig technique. Yeah. And like because it was to the <laughs> Because it was through the door, you know, like, I was really, like, I couldn't see anything. Yeah. Um, and that terrified me. Yeah, so the same the same kind of thing actually happened to me. There were a couple of urban legends, like, where I grew up that were really prominent just because the town that I grew up in was really boring. And one of them was called the Hookman of Hopyard Road. Oh. And it's super, like, so there was this road... Hopyard Road, where it was super pristine at the, the, for the first half of this road, it was like nicely paved, really nice uniform houses, and then like out of nowhere, it becomes a dirt road, and there's nothing there for a couple miles except just straight forest, which doesn't make any sense to begin with, and the story of Hopyard Road was Basically, like your classic, this used to be makeout point in the 50s, <laughs> and two teenagers drove down here to make out and heard a screeching, like scratching noise on the roof of the car. So the guy got out and went to see what it was, and then there's just blood spraying everywhere, <laughs> like that kind of thing. Yeah. And my mom, basically, it was me, my brother, and it's important to note that this is not the first and only time that she ever did this to me as a child. <laughs> she really enjoyed torturing me. And recurring family time. trauma. Yeah. But we were driving home from somewhere late at night, and it was my brother and I and, like, one of my friends, I think, and I must have been, like, 10 years old, and... She was telling us this story and then went, whoops, I took a wrong turn. Look what road it is. (laughs) And drove down this road, parked, turned the lights off, and she was like, the car is dead. And I was like, what? (laughs) I'm 10. (laughs) 
I don't know how cars I'm, work. I'm, I don't know how cars work. Immediately <laughs> suspending all disbelief because I was like into this story, yeah. and, you know, whatever. And she was like, "Okay, I'm gonna get out and check under the hood." <laughs> and she jumps out of the car and starts like scratching the roof with her keys. Like, also that fucks up your roof, but it was so worth it. Apparently, for the Mom story, was committed to the bit. she yeah. was so committed to the bit, and we're all fucking freaking out. And then she starts screaming, and I'm like, "Oh my god, my mom is getting killed by the hook man!" And then she just like hops back in the car and was like, "Gotcha." To do. Yeah. I was like. What? That's that's like mom of the year award. Yeah, mom of the, that's mom of the century. Amazing. Yeah, that's I mean I'm good. not planning on having kids, but if I was, it was would probably be specifically to do stuff like that. Oh so yeah. In yeah. retrospect, I can't blame her at all. My kids will be like the hereditary kids, just in a constant, state constant of state of terror. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They'll, they'll be on their toes at all times. They'll never know when dad's gonna punk them or trick them or mm-hmm. terrify them. Well, I mean, and I would deliberately weird them out. Yes. Like, I would just come up with some completely different character to play when I was around your kids. And it would just <laughs> oh, be I thought you meant your, your, like, I thought you were talking about your kids. No. We're, we're talking about victimizing kids. My kids, yeah, I'm like weird. That. My kids are going to be even more yeah. weird because Aunt Chrissy and Aunt Maddox are going to just fuck with them constantly. I'm going to be lurking around every day. <laughs> I could come in and do something really weird, and then you can come in and do something equally weird, but, like, really different from what I did. And these kids are not going like, to be able to follow the story <laughs> at all. They're going to have, like, the Guinness know. Book of World Records of, like, uncontrollable crying. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, nervous hiccups. Well, I mean, they're just going to have a very skewed version of reality. <laughs> they're not going to know what to believe anymore. So, I mean, good luck dealing with that. Yeah, it'll be fine. I don't plan on making any more money anytime soon. I don't see that happening. So I hope that you can find, a, like, a two-for-one on therapy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. They'll be fine. Kids are kids are made of rubber anyway, especially their brains. We're gonna find out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, well, thank you for sharing these traumatic life stories, you guys. <laughs> but one thing I did want to get back into before we wrap this episode up, there was a moment in the movie going back to this fantastic documentary. The that last we moment in the movie. So good was it? Is it what they abbreviated? It was at the okay. Very end, yeah. And so they're interviewing this guy, and he's sort of getting back into the whole Native American curse and, like, why it exists and the whole belief that it, the curse may be broken if there's an artifact, a wampum belt, I believe is what they refer to, mm-hmm. is returned to the site of um, the, the massacre or the, the death of King William or Prince William. King Philip? King Philip, yes. <laughs> thank you. I was, I was thinking those, British. Those like, people are alive still. And as he says that, a noise can be heard and, like, one of the lights, one of the production lights goes out. And then there's, like, mm-hmm. an awkward cut and, like, a pause. And then they go back and it's probably, like, sort of almost to be presented like a goof. And they're like, oh, yeah, man, I don't know if you noticed, but, like, as soon as you said that, like, one of the lights went out. And then they all start to start nervous laughing. And then the guy kind of looks around and starts doing the whole ghost hunter, like, oh, well, you know, let us know your presence is here. But just so you know, if I could, I would return the belt myself. And then another light goes out, and it's in pitch black, and then they're all, like, nervously laughing, and it's, like, kind of, like, at at the moment, it's, like, oh, weird, but then the more I thought about it, it's, like, there could just be a dude standing off camera with a switch for the lights. It's not hard to turn the light off, yeah. (laughs) But, like, what was, like, did you see that, and you were, like, oh, cool way to end, or was it, like, corny from the beginning? 
I don't feel like I need the answer from Maddox. She's already shaking her head. So corny. <laughs> but on the flip side, you know me. I believe everything the first time around. I need to, like, step away from it for a while. Yeah. To, to like, really analyze Deep it. Decompress, take our notes. You yeah. guys both came so prepared. I'm so proud of both of you. I literally took no notes. I was very distracted during the viewing of the movie, but I remember abbreviated parts, like, points throughout the film that I was like, huh, Okay. But yeah, you guys you guys did some serious research. I just needed to to get through this. Yeah. Like, I was like sitting there like cracking up. I had up. to write to keep myself awake. <laughs> I was just like, I, yeah, I made really like random notes on here. At one point I put in quotes, it was erect. <laughs> there were a lot of phrasing moments throughout this movie. Yeah. That were questionable. Her, her camera didn't work. How convenient. Yeah, did you guys find it, like, beyond the fact that it was a bunch of dusty old white dudes and white dads telling us about the Native American struggle, then just the fact that there weren't that many women in the movie, and then when there were women presented in the movie, it was either, like, Lizzie Borden, prostitutes... The one prostitute was also a pimp. She was also a pimp. That was a good point. I did say that was kind of... I didn't know that you could be both a pimp and a prostitute, so that was pretty cool. Um, She did technically murder somebody, so it's not great, but that was interesting. Still a small business owner. Small business yeah. owner, yeah. <laughs> but then, it was like, the, the women that we did see either was the woman who got possessed by the Pukwudgie and was kind of portrayed as, like, kind of a, a bit of a jabroni character, and then also the one woman who they didn't She's even interview, they just showed a picture of her, and then they're like, oh, her camera didn't work. So, like, I feel like that's almost just completely discounting the fact that there is also a female presence in the whole ghost hunting, cryptid hunting. But probably not as many as men. <laughs> well, yeah, and the, I mean, the thing was, is that in the interview with, all, like, with every investigator that they interviewed, they would acknowledge knowing all the other investigators, like, involved in the film. Yeah. So everyone who, all the dusty white dudes in this documentary knew each other. Yeah. Um, it did feel like a little bit of a boys club. It was a boys yeah. club, and it could have been very much just orchestrated by this group of dudes <laughs> that knew each other is what it seemed like. They they were all friends. Like, yeah. they talked about having investigated things with each other. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that's well, not an excuse, but I was like, oh, this is like a very incestuous... They all vouch like, for each other. Yeah, like, yeah, They have, yeah. you know, there's proof. Right. But now that I'm thinking about it, there were there were two there were two separate instances of black gentlemen in this film who one one of the best interviews was with the dude who worked with the investigation team that worked at the time of all the satanic killings and mm-hmm. his sort of he sort of handed up a little bit at the end but like his portrayal or retelling of some of those investigations were kind of chilling like because he was like yeah they did find some weird shit yeah well, but he would also be like also I didn't directly work on the case I just worked in the department where those people worked. Oh, did he? I didn't yeah. even notice. Oh, okay, well. It was one of those things that he, like, sort of slipped in, like, as, like, a clarification that he didn't actually work on the case to do anything. <laughs> but there was also the other dude who was a journalist. But he had one of the funnier things, because it was him, it was the two journalists who were driving, and they saw the UFO, and they mm-hmm. both had, like, recreations or things of it, and his his lean into it was basically like, now I'm now I'm a really big baseball fan, and let me tell you that UFO looked like, look like home plate. And then they just show, like, a floating home plate. Yeah. My like, favorite right. thing was his friends. So this guy had his, like, colleague who he worked with, who he was in the car with when yeah. they saw this thing, and his friend 
had made like a cardboard replica oh, with a flashlight, with a flashlight yep. tape to yes. it to like explain the story and he's like flying it around like a little kid like playing with a toy and like it was going like this and then it went like this. <laughs> um, I made a note about that guy. I said, Oh, this guy's got props. He's clearly legit. Yeah. He's prepared. He's like carrot top. He knows what yeah. he's doing. He knows what it looked like. And, uh, yeah. No, I think the part where he actually zoomed it into the camera. And <laughs> the ca- the cameraman even kind of, like, was taken aback. He kind of, like, you saw it, like, I was a little not bit. expecting that. <laughs> I was not prepared. I wasn't ready. <laughs> and then, again, like, the one guy we mentioned before who, again, with the UFOs, was like, oh, I have videos of the lights. And then you sort of see him, and it does, like, a little weird movement, but that's like, okay, okay. All right. Yeah. Like, well, if your porch light was working, we could go down the stairs, point our cameras at it, and go, like... <laughs> do shaky cam yeah. footage and like, zoom, <laughs> zoom in super quick. So, that being said, before we get sucked in back into this glorious movie, because it's very easy to just keep talking about there's this movie, because so there's so, there's so there's much so presented much, yeah. in such so a short terrible. amount of time. <laughs> it's only an hour and a half. Check it out. It's on Amazon? Sure. Yeah. It's on Prime Streaming. I wouldn't pay for it, so if you have it's free. Prime... Yes. If you have Prime, it's free. It's one of those ones that might even be... don't pay for it. It might even be available in parts on YouTube to watch. I'm sure. Or there's highlights. There's probably probably somebody did like a cut together of the highlights. First. So, it's fair to say that... So, I don't know if I asked you guys this previously while we were recording. If I did, apologies, listeners, if we're repeating anything. But this documentary, The Bridgewater Triangle or Missing 411, who wins in a Jello wrestling match? Ooh... A.K.A. what was the better movie? Documentary. I hate them both so much. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to let Maddox work this out first. I feel like I have to give it to the missing 411 only because at least that is referring to generally like vast open areas. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't stress this enough. These forests they're talking about in the shitty one we just watched, the triangle one, like, they're so small. <laughs> it's like you get ten people and just... Did anybody take a note of, like, did we ever, did they ever say the whole landmass, the area of the Bridgewater Yes, triangle? actually, I do But have even that if they somewhere. do, like, there's tons of small towns, so yeah. it's not like a whole it's area. It's broken up by very residential areas. Yeah. yeah. But it is 200 square miles. That's not huge. Yeah, and... Broken up by strip malls. Yeah. So. Yeah, and towns and, like, clear-cutting, yeah. so... Like, all these forests are basically their own little island. Yeah. This is like if I basically wanted to make a documentary about that abandoned public rest facility in that park. Yes. Yeah. So, that's why I have to I have to give it to the 411 thing, because even though it was still preposterous and they had no evidence, and they were totally, like, drawing stars, at least, like, all right, this is a big area. <laughs> like, <laughs> people could walk into these, yeah. like, national parks that they were, like, talking about. And, and does not disappear. be seen again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that is legit. Like, if you walk for more than a day in the forest that they're talking about in the Bridgewater Triangle 1, you're going to run into a strip mall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you got lost in these forests, you probably should not have been able to leave the house in the first place. Yeah, like, you're, mm-hmm. you're just walking around in a circle in the middle, and people are yelling your name, and you're like, nope, I'm lost in a forest. Yeah. Busy being lost over here. <laughs> okay. Chrissy, what's your... I don't disagree with anything that Maddox just said, <laughs> but I think if you're taking the documentary in isolation, mm-hmm. I got nothing out of Missing 411. <laughs> I don't know what their point was at all. The production in Missing 411 was awesome, yeah, especially compared to the one um, to the Bridgewater Triangle. 
but I kind of walked away being like, <laughs> I didn't learn a goddamn thing about anything and spent probably like two hours just Googling shit on my own, <laughs> um, which is kind of counterintuitive to what a documentary should be. And from this documentary, I at least took out some information and knew out of the gate, like, what they were trying to get at, at least. Like, I didn't spend the whole time being like, what is the punchline? Why are we watching this? So that's the only reason that I would say that this Bridgewater Triangle documentary would win in Jell-O Wrestling. Well, I'm not going to be the deciding vote because I'm going to take a sharp left and say, while I appreciated all the the research and presentation that occurred in the Bridgewater Triangle documentary and how it was presented, I did feel that Missing 411 was more well-produced. Like, I feel like there was more money thrown at it and the shots were more interesting and the little, like, the, the crime scene reinterpretations and stuff like that. And I did get kind of caught up in the whole true crime thing about whether the parents killed the kid or not. Mm -hmm. I think they're both pretty bad. Yeah, Um, I I mean, I think they all agree on that. Yeah, I I couldn't pick between them, so I would probably say, like, both of them have good parts and both of them have more bad parts. I would tell everybody to just go watch Grizzly Man, like I said before. (laughs) Solid documentary. And I would consider it kind of a hard documentary, because when Timothy Treadwell gets eaten at the end, you don't hear the sound, and it's brilliant because, I can't even think of the director, he's famous for this movie and other documentaries and other movies that he's made, but he's incredible in that he decides to listen to the tape of Timothy Treadwell being devoured by a bear, and you just see his sort of, like, oh, this was a bad idea that he listened to the tape. Mm-hmm. And that part is, like, the payoff at the end of the movie. Spoilers, if you haven't seen it or you didn't know that somebody got eaten by a bear. <laughs> but also, it's just great footage. It's, you know, whatever. I'm recommending a whole different movie, but it is kind of spooky. So, yeah, a vote against, a vote for, and... Me being indecisive, sitting on the fence. That I was live. a very avoidant answer, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that was an option. Oh, no. We're not here to help these people. We're just here to give them something to listen to on their lunch break or on their <laughs> commute. Love okay. you. Love you, listeners. But, yeah, uh, thank you, ladies, very much for coming here to talk about this mediocre documentary. Um, we'll probably find another mediocre documentary to uh, talk about soon. But, as always... Tell the people where they can find more of your work or if they want to stalk you in real life or on the internet. Chrissy, I'm going to let you begin. So you want me to give them my address or... That's up to you. It's up to your level of comfort with strangers. I'd rather not. I just didn't know if it was a requirement. Uh, (laughs) I am a photographer when I'm not here. You can find me on Instagram at Photo. My website is lckites.com if you're looking for regular stuff. And if you want wedding photography, you should go to my wedding website at matchboxstudiosphoto.com. There you go. If any listeners are getting married anytime soon, check her stuff out. She's very good. I've been married several times, and she's photographed all of my (laughs) shotgun weddings. Yeah, like, I wouldn't say I'm a good luck charm by any (laughs) sense. But your photos were like, goddamn. Oh, man. I look like you a just Jonas. have to get married over and over again yeah. to get more photos. Yeah, practice makes perfect. Mm-hmm. What about you, Maddox? Where are you at on the internet these days? Well, I technically am on Twitter at smaddox42, but I don't do that. It's too much work. Yeah. <laughs> it's too much pressure. It's like I follow yeah. people, but I have like a very sporadic amount of 
You had a few brushes with fame well, recently. Well, it's because it was Gail Simone. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, it's Gail Simone! Because <laughs> um, so I almost retired my Twitter account after that. Finish on top? Yeah, I was like, I'd never... This is my high achievement in life. <laughs> um, other than that, I have an Instagram feed at Perpetually Lost Photography, where I wander around uh, national state parks at night and during the day. Usually lost, but haven't gotten murdered yet. Haven't gotten murdered I mean, we'll see. I'm going to Tahoe this weekend, so I feel like Bigfoot would probably be priced out of Tahoe at this point. <laughs> like, he'd probably yeah. more like out past Reno, maybe. Like, <laughs> Can't, probably, af- can't afford that area. You probably run into those, like, mostly shaved man bun Bigfoots out there. Yeah. And they yeah. would probably tell me to get off the property. They're like, <laughs> you're, you're too shady. Like, take your camera and go. <laughs> call the cops immediately. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's where you can find me. All right. Great. Well, that's about going to wrap it up, guys. Thank you so much, dear listeners, for tuning in for another episode of Fear Boners, presented by the Down in Front Podcast. If you've liked what you've heard, you can find more over on downinfrontpodcast.com. We also have a Twitter that is underscore D-I-F-P. That's going to be the main Down In Front Podcast Twitter. You can also find us for the Fear Boners Twitter at Fear Boners D-I-F-P. Uh, you can also email us directly either at the crew at downinfrontpodcast.com or fearbonersdifp at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page where you can see where we post some of our most recent episodes. We're also over on YouTube where we share our video teaser um, and also full episodes as well. We also have the return of the Gamescast where you can watch us streaming videos over on Twitch at twitch.tv backslash downinfrontpodcast. And dear listeners, as always, if you do enjoy what you listen to, we do it for absolutely free because we love you guys, we love movies, and we love having this ongoing conversation with you. It's fun. Um, But it does take time, it does take money to a certain degree, and if you want to learn more about how you can help us get these episodes produced and put out on time so you have more content to listen to on your commute or on your lunch break, what have you, pop on over to patreon.com backslash downinfrontpodcast and you can learn more about potentially donating. Even a dollar a month is a great help, and it means the world to us. We really appreciate even just going over and checking it out because there are benefits for people who contribute to Patreon uh, to help us get our content out to you guys. Um, so, yeah, feel free to check that out. And, again, thanks so much for tuning into Fear Boners with Andrew, Chrissy, and Maddox. And we will be back sooner rather than later. But in the meantime, stay spooky and keep it creepy. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>